here, and we are this week. We're recording early this week. I'm I'm kind of excited for that. It feels like it's been a short time, but this week, of course, as we're taking a trip across the pond, we're hopping across the pond, but we're not really. But we will start out across the pond, I guess, um, to Deutschland primarily. But we'll we'll touch a couple other European nations. Uh, but to start out, or primarily, I guess. We are Tim's house guests, which I think is a, a fitting name for this episode, uh, for this week, because the primary focus this week is going to be probably wrestler of the decade, maybe wrestler of the year. I think a lot of people are having that conversation right now. Timothy Thatcher um, and what he's doing in his home promotion in the in the fatherland of Deutschland um, over the WXW tag team festival uh which it's not the tag team league it's not the what do they usually call it it is normally tag league right yeah it was was world tag team league and then if you really go back like you know the wxw historians that we are like you remember the triangle league between czw wxw and big japan Uh, you go even before that you talk about gore fest right yeah big (laughs) japan deathmatch tournament which was even you know before that but yes it's uh it's this time of year late kind of late i guess late summer early fall depending on no, what you think yeah, about. you know for, for, you know fourth quarter is usually it's usually always like a fall like october event yeah and it's it started out like i said with gorefest being primarily a deathmatch kind of thing then it turned into triangle league which produced a lot of great matches if you want to go back Tri- and check out yeah there's a lot of stuff like people like ambition used to be tagged onto that and before it got tagged on, well, I think I think that yeah, it was tagged yeah. on the Triangle League before it got tagged on to the Ambition, and then eventually, um, now you see they've ran like three Ambition tournaments this year alone. Right. But if you go back and watch some of that Triangle League stuff, you'll get like really good things. Like um, I think there's like a Axel Tischer versus Biff Busick match. Yes, there's like Zach versus Gulak and Ambition that year. Like it's like, right. I think it's like all 2013, it's 2014. TJ, it's like. Yeah, some good TJP stuff before we knew how much of a goober he was. It's like oh, it's like a lot of insanely good stuff, and that's like you look at WXW's history of like hidden gems that no one really remembers, and then you go through WXW streaming service, and you're like, oh, holy shit! Like for some reason they had like Kagatora over for like one um, sixteen carat weekend, and you just watch all the Kagatora stuff that was out there. Yeah, and even I mean at the time he was the best, you know, uh, Hashimoto junior but now he's become second best you know <laughs> Hashimoto um but they had Kazuchi uh, uh what is it Kazuni Hashimoto over for an ambition early on yeah Kazuki he, yeah before anyone knew who the fuck he was uh, but you know obviously now um but yeah like there was a lot of random weird shit going on in WXW through like the entire decade basically through this through this century let's just put it that way to make it even sound even more grandiose um that uh, that if you go back and, and kind of look through the um, through the the streaming service, you can catch a lot of really cool stuff on there um, overall. And then you know, so we got this weekend, got some big stuff. It really feels like on top of already having a pretty great year, um, this is like a big time kind of. Uh, resume booster for timothy thatcher throughout this weekend i think um, thatcher had like 
<laughs> like you can legitimately argue. Oh shit, he had five. Look, off air, we were talking about um how many matches Thatcher had during the uh, weekend, and I had just like off the top of my head, I said like, oh yeah, he had he had four matches, and then I forgot like he faced Oni Lurkin on the Ambition show, <laughs> like right from yeah. So the dude had five matches in like. Honest to God, you can all so say that those are like all of those are like four star plus matches. Yeah, they're all matches that if you had them in your contention for match of the year, I wouldn't be shocked. Honestly, it's like you know it would be tough to make the argument because if you if you start to parse that out, then you're telling me you're a Thatcher fan. So then once we're getting into like you're a hardcore Thatcher fan, it's really hard to say that these are all like you know top ten matches. But yeah, yeah, but like four of these, I can genuinely hear somebody being like. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's my that's my top fifteen, top twenty, and I'm like, oh, oh yeah. yeah, okay, cool. Like like the Lorkin match, the Bobby Guns match, the uh, Thatcher and Thatcher and Mueller versus Lorkin and Birch, and then the like the just the sleeper, match. not even the aggression match. Honestly, I was gonna say the Workhorseman versus Norman yeah. Harris and Thatcher is like excellent. Like if someone said that, it's like yeah, cool. Yeah. Like I, I believe you. Yeah, which just goes to show again the inner circle continues to be like kind of this. They're bringing it back, I guess, really because. Inner Circle had a couple uh, weak showings, a couple of Inner Circle sh- shows that weren't great. But early on, when Inner Circle first started, I think it was in the conversations for being like sleeper show of the year. With just Dude, how this is the this is, this is the eighth one. Yeah, Christ, like, just this is like gold. Like, I didn't realize we got here so quickly. Yeah, I know, but it, but they were so good early on that it was just like sneaking up on you. But before we get too much into what we're actually talking about tonight. Big news! Only two big notes from um, from the core wow, core woo this uh, this week. Um, obviously, the main one that people have already probably are continuing to talk to death. New Japan America, um, cool. I guess I don't know. I don't care. Did I you? don't like. I said, no, I don't care. Like I mean, I saw it, but it's like, like I don't know what that's gonna be, and I'm like, I'm don't. I'm not really particular. I don't really care too much about it. Right. Like I, like I don't like I don't know what you're gonna do with that. Like maybe you get like a whole bunch of TJP matches there, but like I, I don't know what to expect from that. Yeah, I mean there was a time when a New Japan in America like really solidly like being you know done here on in the states was like an interesting concept that I would be excited for. But as you say it now, it's like I don't know. After when the U.S. title first got debuted, and we thought that like you know the first U.S. champion being uh uh Kenny Omega, you know, winning the title in America over Ishii from the that first big kind of show in uh in California. Like it seemed like, "Oh, okay, cool. We might get something interesting out of this." But then now it feels like that concept fell apart. When it went to Juice after Omega, you're like, "Okay, cool. Like this could be something." And then that no, fell it, went, apart. it went to it went to um Went to Jay, and then after yeah. that, that's the, that's when you get the juice and uh juice and Cody trading trading the belt, right? Uh, I, Moxley I, coming in, and yeah, it's like and then yeah. and then uh, pretty much like it just escalates down, like yeah. Well, no, my point wasn't necessarily the exact lineage, which like of course like you know you follow the exact lineage, but my point was like Jay White didn't feel like we're gonna build a New Japan America around Jay White. He felt like he was definitely like meant for you know japan he's meant to be a star yeah, yeah, yeah but then yeah. juice when the title got back on juice it's like okay this is getting rolling again and we can start building you know new japan america around juice like, okay juice yeah, I Robinson, gotcha, I gotcha. he's gonna be a guy and he shows up in 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 roh and he's putting together his promotion and our or his stable in roh with lifeblood and yeah 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 like this is gonna be 
you know, New Japan America, and then that falls apart. And then they put the belt on Moxley, and you kind of think, like, maybe, depending on how tightly they link up Moxley and and AEW and New Japan, okay, this this could work, this could work, we can... And then after that, like, after you've already teased me this much and it's fallen apart and there's been so many issues with it, I just, I've just given up. And then now you announce it again, and I'm just like, I can't give a fuck. Like, I really cannot care at all about new japan america at this point so whatever we'll see what happens it's interesting that they have so many shows in such a big part of their region like showing up being based in texas comparatively um we'll see how that works for them i i think historically texas i mean if you think about it with like a with like jtex um oh jesus why can't i think of his name uh whatever doesn't matter manager from did a lot of stuff in texas and he wrote that book and uh, court bauer was like a student of his and i can't remember his name at the moment he was like the original uh manager of uh great muda when he came to america gary hart yes gary hart gary hart has roots in in texas that i think could connect back to japan like i said through the the great muda stuff um and then I'll just give a big shout out to Pete, former co-host on this week in wrestling. Maybe, maybe about to Pete. say about to say, you have to, but you have to turn in your PWO card now for not remembering Gary Hart. Yeah, I know. I feel really bad for not remembering Gary Hart's name here for a moment. I could remember a bunch of details about his career. I just couldn't remember his name for a second there. So, unfortunately, yeah, I have to. But that's part of being uh, in PWO is you have all timers, so you can't remember anything. Um, that's how it works over there on that message board. So yeah, like. That's, I guess, the only reason why that Texas seems like such a big deal for them. Because I don't know that like wrestling and Japanese wrestling in New Japan is a big deal in Texas. But it seems like a big deal for them right now. Um, the other thing is a bummer because it's a promotion that we've talked about quite a bit already. Or not quite a bit. But we've mentioned and I've mentioned a few times here as being like the lifeblood of of UK wrestling now. As, as obviously hashtag, you know, UK wrestling is dead. Everyone agrees. There's no argument. Every person on the face of the earth, except for William Regal, I guess, um, knows that UK wrestling is dead. Uh, Breed Wrestling announcing that basically trying to redo Star Cave after everything fell through has killed them for now. Um, it sucks because it was a good promotion that I think we both have, have enjoyed so far. They brought over Dan Makabe, which neither one of us can like have any complaints about. Um, and to see that happen to them, it's a real bummer because it is kind of to me. I'm kind of like you should you should have just not done the cave when it fell apart. You should have waited and done it like next year, and not tried to rush it because it feels like honestly that was probably the death the death nail for them is that they should not have tried to rush back to the cave just because they felt bad for having to cancel when they did. Yeah, it's it's, 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 it's disappointing, and you want to feel bad and everything, but. Ah, that's a that's a that's a bad business move. Like that's like like this, as simply I can put it. And like I would like to see that breed was still continuing or that the operations were still like going going ahead as planned. But that's a that's a bad that's a bad business move any way you cut it. So like I'm disappointed to see that it had to go go like this. But I but I don't know, man. Like this just wasn't the this just wasn't very well thought out in my right. opinion. Right. Yeah. That's it. So, oh, um, before before oh. we move on, I want to see. Did you catch the horniest match of all time? Um. Okay. What did AJ Gray do this week? No. What, what are you talking about? <laughs> um. So there's a match on Progress Chapter Seventy Six. No. 
I mean, not, I mean, not 76, 96. Um, featuring Car Noir and Ilya Dragunov. Ooh. And so me, me and you have both watched, like, Car Noir for, like, a really long time. Right. Um, and we've obviously both seen Ilya for a really long time. So they have this match here. And the match isn't, like, bad. There's, like, good bits in it. Like I said, we have talked about, we talked, um, in the Slack, maybe yesterday, yesterday or whatever, that I'm not sure if I like Car Noir yet, and it's weird because I've like seen Car for so long yet I still don't know if I like him or not. I decided, yeah, I can feel that. Um, but it's like say he does he does good stuff in this, and Ilya has his flashes of being really good still, but there's also like a lot of weird like sexual tension in the match. <laughs> it's like um good, like the, like the way that like the way they look at each other, like they're like back to back, and like. Kara has like this star gaze, like star, like st- like star fixed like gaze on Ilya. You know, he's like complete like shock, but he's like fi- like fixated on like Kara. Kara like gently like touches Ilya's lip and like goes down his body. Like it's just, and like it's a whole bunch of weird stuff that happens. And I wondered if you caught the, the horniest match of all time. I wish you had told me so I could watch it before this, and I probably just like missed the actual mention of what you were talking about in the slack because I was just getting into like basic car no more talk, which I'm like a fan of his. It's I, took, I took, I took like screenshots of it. Like yeah, it's yeah, yeah. absurd. <laughs> he reminds me of, um, uh, Dahlia black's brother, which I can't remember his name, but he's, a uh, another wrestler who, does yeah, I forgot, stuff yeah, in yeah I forgot his name too, yeah, but, uh, but like similar vibes, but he's so much better or he really is better than him. I mean, you know, like <laughs> That's not saying a lot. Either way, Kara's uh, very talented. Like that's yeah. like, that's the thing about it. Is like, yeah, like the Car Noir thing is what got him over. But like Tom Dawkins is a genuinely like really talented dude, super athletic, um, great great physique. Like his sleeper his sleeper hold his rear naked his rear naked choke is like incredible. It's probably like the best one going in wrestling right now, right. depending on your mileage on like Samoa Joe or whatever. Like he has a lot of good things about him. He does like small smart stuff that I like a lot. It's the theatricality he can, he, that he brings, you know, like that's a big part of it. And it's, you know, it plays into the character, obviously, but that's part of why he gets the details is he's a, he, he's a theatrical performer. Yeah, but it's weird. So like, I like all the little stuff he does. And then like large scale in the ring, I feel like he lacks all that other personality for the most part. Like it, you it see him, do, like you, yeah. you see him like have all that personality in the pack match where it's like, there's a clear story there or whatever about him eventually just trying to get in Pac's head and play the mind games with the handshake and everything. But in, in every other match, it's like he's selling a lot and he's not particularly good at selling. He's in control and he doesn't have a lot of aggression or facial expressions when he's in control either. So Carr's just a really weird guy to me. And then I think he found his calling in that he should just have really horny wrestling matches. Yes. I mean, he's the... Uh apartment wrestling champion of the world right now but yeah i mean i i I get that because the thing is is that he his detail work is amazing and when he has something that he sinks his teeth into that's where you could really he really shines but what what you miss is as you talk about the details like he's really good in the details when he's thinking about it but then you can notice as you pay attention to like the big picture wrestling stuff that he misses he just like blanks out. <laughs> yeah, and he just he goes through the motion too much when it's like big picture stuff, and that's where attention to detail really matters. And that's where stuff like when we get into Thatcher, 
which we're going to obviously this is like a tim thatcher episode which is really fun at pretty much because that's the thing that makes thatcher work is that thatcher works in the details of everything the big stuff and the small stuff and it's like car noir is really good doing the details when it's the big stuff that he's focusing on but sometimes when he's not focusing you can see that lack of initiative in just the you know the day-to-day of wrestling grind so that's like kind of the big difference that can take which is weird because Kara wrestled Kara wrestles a lot like he's like he's pretty much the iron man of like the english indies at this point right he's like he's the guy that wrestles everywhere shows up in every promotion the new el ligero yeah he's he's the guy that he's the guy that shows up that shows up everywhere and gives you a good and gives you like a good match he never like takes off or anything but like i'm just not sure if i can really buy into him and be like oh yeah like i like car noir like for reference like i was going through um yesterday and today like get like making a list of like names i'm gonna be considering for the top 50 we do and even in a week here like 2019 i'm not sure that car noir makes my top 50 just because i'm still not sure about him Right. He's a little bit too shaky to have in the top 50 this year. And he's a guy that I could definitely see making like a whatever place in the top 30 to 40 this year. If it wasn't for the fact that like there's little stuff that he does that irks me enough to make me dislike his performances. And that's not to say yeah. that I dislike his matches because I thought I'm I was like, you know, one of the when we talk about like bringing stuff up in the slack. One thing that I mentioned, you know, just offhandedly to because that's the way the slack works is you work in sound bites basically or at least i do it's like he had a really good match with pete dunn this year and that's impressive i didn't, wa- I, I didn't watch that yet but it's but, but, it's great yeah but i try I, I trust i believe you like i trust you on that yeah. stuff because i know like me and you like mutually shit on that Ilya versus pete dunn match from last year right but to be able to have a really good match with pete dunn in 2019 is to say something you know, and that's the thing about Carnivore. And, like, it makes sense with Pete Dunne's vibe because Pete Dunne is a big picture guy now. Like, that's kind of more of his style. And that's why I don't like him as much because he doesn't focus on the detail stuff. But, like, to, to see that, it's like, yes, there is something there. So it's really hard to, like, I can't buy into this thing where you just say, like, he's bad because he's not bad. Like, that's not the thing about Carnivore. The thing about Carnivore is he's a little bit. Sloppy is a weird word to use with him because of the other, like, like his entire vibe and the, the you know, the kind of ballerina-esque gimmick, attention to detail that he can bring in certain places. But he is. He's sloppy. When he's you not know, you, in it, he's sloppy. You know what it is? It's like, he's like Kota Ibushi. If Kota Ibushi also wasn't, like, a once-in-a-generation a once level, like, wrestler in, in terms of, like, crispness. Like, yeah. Yeah, like, Coda is a once-in-a-generation athlete. Like, everything he does is, like, so crisp and nice-looking. And if that was Kara, like, everything would be, like, you know, like, all right, fine, like, whatever. You can look past all that stuff. But because Kara isn't that, it's sort, of, it's sort of like, oh, well, like, you still have this and that going on. Like, Coda for years. Like, a notorious thing about Coda is that Coda didn't have good facial expressions. Coda wasn't very good at selling and all that stuff. Like, Coda was a great bumper because he's a super athletic guy. But when you really look in the Coda's matches, all it was was really in, really insane spots and head drops and dives. But Coda didn't sell well or give you any kind of emotion. And I think that's where I'm at right now with Kara. And he's still young. He's been around for a while. I think he's probably around Osprey's age, maybe younger. But yeah, it's just um, I don't know what to make of him yet. Yeah, and it's an interesting comparison to make because part of the thing that works for in, or did work in and Coda's advantage was that he did a lot of that learning in smaller promotions 
um, DDT primarily, obviously, but then also like when he did come over to the states, he did stuff like work in um, in Chikara, and not really get like you know a lot of eyes on him and flashy you know flashy spots and stuff that was like gifable and pre gifable, which was like you know two or three second highlight packages on um, on YouTube were kind of the place that Coda could like kind of sh- would shine. It's, you know, similar to, to Kenny Omega, who's his brother. But, like, I, you know, have said multiple times that, like, the, the you know, the wrestler of 2010's conversation, it feels like it's all sewed up with our, you know, our, our focus of the week with Tim Thatcher to me right now. But a guy who I've made arguments about being in that conversation is, is Kenny Omega for being the epitome of what wrestling is now as a GIF wrestler, as a guy who shines on, you know, top... 15 moves of Kenny Omega compilations by Suicidal Dragon on YouTube. Like, you know, Kenny Omega shine in that just like Kota Ibushi did. Like, that 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 kind of vibe was, like, a big deal for them. And then as he learned to put all that stuff together, he then eventually came to the bigger promotions as DDT grew and then in, now in New Japan to where now he can, like, have something there. He still misses the mark all the time. Like, I wouldn't say that Kota Ibushi hits it all the time, but sometimes he doesn't, but it also plays into, like, headcanon stuff, especially in the slack, as you've talked about. Serial killer Coda is basically the the kind of headcanon of the of the decade when it comes to the slack, <laughs> because that, like, makes up for a lot of it. But, like, imagine if Sonata had had the same, like, ability to grow, and, you know, he did the, the TNA and the Wrestle 1 stuff, but if he had had, like, something similar, like, maybe he could be in that conversation, too, or, like, if he had grown in any way and started to develop instead of just, like, getting foisted onto the main event scene and continuing to really miss the mark when it comes comes to having personality, it might be a different conversation, but he, you know, just still hasn't really delivered in that way. But Coda has started to. So there is, like, some conversation about that. But uh, I guess before we really transition to the main stuff. Did you watch any of grapple picking yet? Pizza party pro friend of the podcast. Dan Scotty was, was former guest on the podcast. Even, um, have you watched any of this yet? Uh, no, it's like, it's on the um, list with, uh, the Kento and Jake Lee title match that just happened today. And, uh, what else? Thatcher versus Eddie Kingston that I haven't gotten around to. So I was gonna watch all. I was gonna watch all of it. No, I did watch. I did watch Thatcher versus Kingston. Yes. Never mind that. It's just a uh, Kento. It's just Kento versus Jake Lee, and then grapple picking. That's the only two things I'm thinking right. that I have to watch yet. Well, so. give a shout out to uh, to Verb Gagner to to reference uh, CM Punk and and Dale Ga- Gail Dale Gagne kind of old school thing. He's a fake. If you're a fake Gagne, then you get the Gagner. Uh, uh, moniker i guess so verb gagner good on commentary here great show overall um we'll talk about it when you watch it more in depth but yeah they'll they'll be they'll for sure be next episode yeah we have to we we have to give them a fair shake we can't give them the i've seen it you haven't seen it kind of kind of thing oh no oh no for sure like i said i like i like piece of party and i was like yeah obviously like i like the people involved was like i genuinely like the promotion and everything all right i was just like doing like a big like ott catch-up watching the WXW stuff and everything. So it just like skipped my mind. Right. Have, did you watch AEW this week? Or mm-hmm. NXT? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Not, not that either. Um, okay. I did see Let's the, I did see the private, uh, yeah, okay. I did see private party apparently, um, killed it again with Lucha bros. Woo. 
Yeah, was that was that real? That was good. Yes, it was All amazing. Right. As I was watching it, I was just like, "This could be in the conversation for match of the year level stuff." But then you know, that's like when you're caught up in the moment, and then you know, yeah, 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 yeah. But god damn, it was good. And and I'll give a shout out to I don't I don't think it'll be worthwhile to save it to talk about it next week, but I do want to give like a shout out credit to AEW because we talked about the stuff with the Dark Order. It feels like as they've switched around the booking on the tag team tournament, it's very clear that they realized that the Dark Order stuff wasn't working. And they switched around the 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 kind of brackets and everything that they did made major sense for working around the idea that the Dark Order wasn't getting over. So I'm going to give them a lot of credit on that because they repositioned everything. They made um, the Lucha Bros clearly heels especially even in this match. Yeah, um, yeah, that yeah, that's, that's the thought I was having as I was uh yeah. seeing everything unfold and again like I haven't watched this week's episode, but as the Lucha Bros were very clearly heels, like the way the att- the way they've had been going at SCU, yeah. attacking SCU um before their before their tournament match, the way they were in the Jurassic Express match. I was like, "Oh, the Lucha Bros are like clearly heels." And I remember the Dark Order was there and I'm like, "Oh, like yep. Are we like are they Wow, but I was I'm I'm really I'm really excited and impressed to hear that. Like AEW realized, like you know what, guys, like we love you, but this isn't working yet. We'll we'll come back to it some other time. Yeah, they readjusted the 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 brackets to make it so that they had a clear babyface heel dynamic. On top of the fact that they did like a, an angle on the fly to mix things up even more. So yeah, I like I I have to give AEW a lot of credit for that booking because. You set up Private Party as really strong baby faces coming out of the match with the Young Bucks. Then they go in here with the Lucha Bros, and the Lucha Bros worked subtle heel, but they were heel enough in the beginning of the match, and then as it broke down into spots, it was just, like, you know, insane to watch. But it was still... You got that basis, so you knew who were the heels in the in the Lucha Bros. You got SCU coming through with the match against the Dark Order where they became clear 100% baby faces. And then you set up the final with the Lucha Bros versus SCU. So you have a strong heel and a strong babyface team that have issues with each other. So that's like the biggest takeaway for me coming out of the out of the episode this week was just that. Which was like they saw something wasn't working. They obviously mixed stuff up because they had to change even the brackets and do a lot of stuff with that on the fly and then they they really like they did it and i have to give them a lot of credit because that was the that was the big question mark i mean we talked about it previously like the idea what are they going to do what are we going to see with AEW? are they going to be headstrong and stick with what they think and what they want to make work are the young bucks going to say like we're we'll get them over and we, you know when we face them for the titles we'll we'll make it work and they they didn't stick with it they they mixed it up and they called it on the fly, and they came out with something better. At the end of it, I will say I got to give a shout out to my to my 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 son Larry Liam uh, on his podcast, the the Wrestling Warzone podcast on uh, on Voices of Wrestling, which I don't like to say Voices of Wrestling out loud because it makes me literally want to vomit. Um, but uh, but he mentioned the 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 angle, the spot on this one where where uh, Cody Rhodes came out to the ring. And Chris Jericho was in the the VIP booth on his mic, and it was literally the only time that I've watched wrestling in probably I don't know twenty years <laughs> that I watched the segment and it made me laugh out loud. I literally laughed out loud to the point where I like 
I got embarrassed for a second, but no one heard me. But I was just like, oh, my God. As Chris Jericho, like, oh my God, I just, la- I just laughed at wrestling. <laughs> yeah, I just laughed out loud at wrestling. And if some, if anyone saw me or anything, I'm going to look like the biggest fucking dork on the planet, basically. But, you know, Chris Jericho up in the VIP booth talking shit to, Kenny, to Cody. And as Cody gets more and more back up and then he chases him into the box... And then Chris Jericho runs away while saying, you know, like, oh, oh, actually, I don't want to fight. And he runs away like it was it was the best just fucking trademark bitch ass heel shit that you've seen in, in the history of wrestling. It was so good. So look, man, like like we don't love these guys, but like, yeah. It's like it's okay to say that the Jericho and Cody stuff is working. Like it's, it's okay. So good. It, it, it's okay, man. Like I'm not looking forward to their match. I like. I know that a lot of people aren't looking forward to the match either. Right. But it's okay to like not look forward to the match and acknowledge the fact that this stuff is still like actually working. The build is working. It's like yeah, the match yeah. will be whatever, but the build is so good. Like I have not. I laughed out loud. I literally laughed out loud, which is like saying a lot at a heel antic that was meant to be funny. You know, it was meant to be a heel who was showing ass and it literally got me. So I have to give him credit for that. And again, like I said, shout out to, to Larry on the, uh, on the wrestling war zone podcast on voices of wrestling. Cause he said the same thing. He watched the same segment multiple times over just how good it was. It was really fucking good. Like there's, there's so, not a lot of wrestling that's that good. You know, like I got to the one negative thing about AEW that I have to say they're probably going to be responsible for sneaking Phoenix onto my top 50 this year. Oh, yeah. Uh, I fucking hate it. I really fucking hate it. And it's not the Young Bucks matches. It's like, it's like, it's going to be like this private party one when I yes. see it. It's, it's, the, it's the Jurassic Express one. I don't know if you saw it. Did you see that, uh, that Kenny Omega match on AAA yet? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, like, like that's much really fucking good. Much better than the good. new match. Oh, so much better. <laughs> it's, it's like, oh, like, like now, now I'm realizing it, and he had the match with um, I think Walter from six from sixteen carat this year too, and what and whatever else. I'm like, oh fuck, man, Phoenix is making my top fifty this year. You have isn't to deal he? with like, it. You have to deal with it. Yeah, he was in mine last year. He was top twenty five for me last year. Yeah, like now, like now I'm, I'm just realizing, god damn it, like, and I know there's gonna be uh, like more Phoenix stuff I find, and like I said, if they're if we're gonna get like heel Lucha Bros, like I'm yeah. so in on that, and like I want to like Phoenix. I liked Phoenix for a long time. And then it was like, as he was getting more and more prominent bookings, it's like, well, I want to like him, but like he, like you're only gonna wow me like so many times. I right. still want to get like a like at least a, like a little tiny bit of substance there because I know that Phoenix can be like a really like otherworldly babyface seller when he's put in that position to be one. And now we're getting a little bit something different with the heel stuff. And I'm like, oh, like like that's like that's all I've ever wanted with Phoenix. It's so just like a little bit of something to latch onto. Which this feels like it, especially with Pentagon, who is a natural heel. Like, Pentagon has a natural heel energy that really works. He's, like, he's obviously cool heel in a lot of ways, but he's also, like, a good natural true heel when he wants to be. And him and Phoenix working together can really deliver something, you know, for sure. Like... Okay, I uh, you know I'm trying to get off of AEW, but another thing that they did this week, like the mini feud with, because I watched Dark this week, and the mini feud that they're doing with Kenny Omega and Janela is like, was has been done ex like expertly. Like, you got a lot out of doing two mat two Joey Janela versus Kenny Omega matches. So like, yeah, AEW gets a lot of credit this week. You haven't seen it, but 
God damn. But when we talk about getting credit, we have to talk about the real person who deserves credit. Not just this week, but in general, for the entire year, for the entire decade. Timothy Thatcher. You know, let's get into talking about Thatcher's Weekend. Like, the only shows that I've watched all the way through from the WXW Weekend were Inner Circle and uh, Ambition. I've watched all the Thatcher matches. Otherwise... So I don't know what 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 uh, I don't know. Let me let let me let you start this. Let let's start with Inner Circle and we'll work our way through the weekend. As far as Quentin wants to talk about it. Yeah, cause I think like the like the like let's be completely honest with ourselves. Like, <laughs> like the only reason either of us are watching like any WXW stuff is we wanted to see the Thatcher matches. Like, if Thatcher was not involved in any of these like prominent matches over the weekend, I got, like it's safe to say that neither of us would have really been like looking for these shows, right? Yeah, of course. I'm 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 so checked out on WXW, it's insane. And I won't give it away, but I've heard some details about some stuff that happened coming out of this weekend that really soured me on WXW on top of already being kind of checked out. So yeah, like if Thatcher wasn't delivering masterwork, you know, every night of WXW multiple times a day sometimes, yeah, I'm not paying attention to 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 WXW right now. Yeah, it's like, and, and we touched on a little bit when in the in the open, but legitimately, like in my opinion, there's like four Thatcher matches that are like all four stars, arguably higher, and I can see going that high on the Gresham match too. It just didn't hit me. That it just didn't hit me on the same level. But yeah, dude, like the inner circle match with Thatcher and Norman Harris versus the Work Horseman. Work Horseman, like. I feel like it's very clearly between Work Horseman and Balances Forever for Tag Team of the Year, right? Yeah, I don't think that there's... It's, I mean, you could it, it do might, it might be the could be in your conversation, I guess. Yes, yeah, it hasn't been their year, though. I think it's... Yeah. It might be. It might just be the Work Horseman, honestly. Right. Yeah, it feels um, like it. Yeah, but here they go in... Norman Harris is, like, super fiery and everything, and you get, like, angry and pissed off James Drake in... I liked James Drake when he first like really burst onto the scene a few years ago, but as time went on, I felt like James Drake sort of like fell into like typical U.S. indie big man formula, which is like he's really big, but then he also wants to do like lucha spots and cool shit. And I really just want to see James Drake like hit people and be nasty and be mad. And that was on full display here in this tag match, and I loved every bit of it. Anthony Henry, we loved Anthony Henry for years and he doesn't he never disappoints and at some point we really he really should get his due for being one of the most consistent wrestlers of the, of the last like four or five years but Thatcher comes in and it's like a ridiculously good hot tag here like in this little small small show with like about 30 40 people in it Thatcher comes in and he does a hot tag that has everybody jumping around and excited and it's like and we'll talk about it once we get done, like, all the Thatcher matches, but it's so fucking insane to look back on the retrospect that there was an actual narrative out there that the way Thatcher wrestles doesn't translate into making crowds excited. <laughs> like, that was an actual thing. And people legitimately stuck by it and said that that's why Thatcher shouldn't get pushed anywhere. But yet you see all this stuff, and the same people just haven't said anything since then. And I think it's really funny that no one has gone out publicly and walked that stuff back. No one's ever been like, you know what? My bad. I was wrong about Timothy Thatcher. 
And I get it. No one wants to be wrong online. And so it's the worst fate. It's the worst fate ever. No one ever wants to be online and wrong. But it's just funny to me that like that no one's ever gone and like, you know what? I see the, I see the Zack Sabre Jr. match from Evolve 79. I see this Bobby Guns match from uh from 16 Carat. I mean from from I mean uh, not 16 Carat t- Tag League. I see this um the Lucky Kid the Lucky Kid Thatcher match from 16 Carat. I see the Ringcom versus Massive Product match from World from World Tag League and all this other shit. All these other like ginormously hot crowds. Yo, I see that the that I see the Thatcher versus Walter match from Progress that had the crowd going crazy. You see all of this stuff, and yet you don't just go back, go ahead and walk back the take. I think it's so strange. Right, and w- here's the thing: when it comes down to with Thatcher, and and it's really the epitome of how you understand wrestling. And I think that most people understand the basic core. As fans of wrestling, most people understand the basic core of wrestling, and what makes wrestling work is that it's MMA. It's UFC, it's shoot fighting without the kind of boring elements of shoot fighting. You know, it's, it's, you can cut out the idea that you're actually scared of losing because you know what's happening. You're working with someone. So you're, so you're delivering an interesting fight. You're doing an interesting version of a fight between people who are cooperating to make the fight interesting, right? That's the whole point of wrestling. So, when you look at what Thatcher does, I can see, I guess, why people don't appreciate it through certain eyes. Because they don't really understand the whole fucking point of professional no, wrestling. No, here's, and here's the thing. If you don't like Thatcher, I'm fine. I think, you, I think if you make certain criticisms, you're just projecting and you already decided that whatever his style is, you don't like it. If you don't like it, that's fine. But you can't sit here and tell me that Thatcher isn't expressive. Right. You can't sit here and tell me that Thatcher is stoic and expressionless and that he doesn't really convey any emotion. At that point, you're deciding not to see it because you just don't like the fact that he's conveying emotion when sitting in an arm bar. You want to sit here. You want you want to say you want him to convey emotion in a different spot in a di- in a different manner. That's fine. But I think like certain criticisms are like you just you just don't like the style and everything that he does gets lost because you don't like the style. Okay, that's a different conversation. You can't sit here and then do and then turn this into a large scale. Well, Thatcher isn't over because his style sucks, and then you say this, and then you see all these other situations where Thatcher is so over and has the crowd so molten hot for him and seeing him, and you never acknowledge the fact that hey, you know what? My bad, I was wrong on that. Yeah. And, ma- and matter of fact, like when we go when we go back when we go even further back, if Thatcher wasn't over, why the fuck did he win the title? Why did he win the Evolve title then? Do you know how many other guys were there that could have won that title? Yeah. And yet Thatcher isn't over. Zack Sabre Jr., Zack Sabre Jr., Drew Gulak, like all these guys, Chris Hero, still there. And Timothy Thatcher is the one that won the belt. Yet you want to say that Timothy Thatcher isn't over and that the crowd didn't want him. Clearly the crowd wanted him if he won the belt over all the other guys that were there. At the time, I could see an argument for saying that he was an experiment. He and was definitely he was, an experiment. He was but, gay, he was, but he was old. trying to show that like he could do something outside of the box, I guess, but he was still over, which I think is, the he was over like the, 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 the Chris hero WrestleMania weekend match. Um, I think that was Mercury rising that year. Yeah. Again, like maybe like one of the, like one of the best matches of the weekend. 
people were in the Thatcher. Like you can like you can paint whatever picture you want, like because you don't like the style. The fact is that Thatcher was over. And nothing changed until Gabe did that angle over WrestleMania week in 2016 and it fucked everything up. Until then, Thatcher is over and he's just fine. Right. And like, like we can like, we can get back to this when we like get down the whole get done the whole thing and talk like more like wrestler of the year and yeah, like, this maybe, like, like potentially like, wrestler of the decade. When we get to yeah. your wrestler of the year, <laughs> yeah, it's just like it's just fucking weird. And I think more of the story is I think I I think I just want people to at least acknowledge like yeah you know maybe we jumped the gun on that. <laughs> well, okay, Quentin, do you want to do this? Like, this probably isn't the place to to put this out there, but do you want to do? Because we're obviously going to do the top 50 like we do every year. But do you want to do a top 50 for the decade this year as a podcast? Yeah, I would, I would, I would be perfectly fine with doing okay, that. Okay, okay. Well, maybe we should. Because, like, we're, we've talked about it so much. That maybe like maybe not, Maybe not like, At the same time, year? you know. Yeah, I'm thinking maybe, I'm thinking maybe what, like, maybe like February, March-ish? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be, think, like, we could yeah. do it in the, like, late mid-year whatever but yeah but i mean maybe we should just do that because it feels like we've talked about it enough like getting into it and then thatcher like talking about thatcher i make no bones about it everyone fucking knows thatcher is in my conversation for rest of the decade thatcher right now i can't see thatcher not being my record my wrestler of the decade i don't have an argument really for anyone else over him you know, like I really don't. I think I think Thatcher just Thatcher just like hit you in a way where it's like, like like there's nothing else would feel right, which like I, I can totally understand. Like yeah. Thatcher was like, as far as like when you think of 2010s wrestling, discovering Thatcher, watching Thatcher, watching Thatcher's career, and even like Thatcher discourse and talking about Thatcher and right. like getting getting like getting mad over the way people talk about Timothy Thatcher and being so happy when you see Timothy Thatcher and like you know you feeling validated after all these like all this all the years of praise like. Thatcher is like has been a re- really rewarding guy to watch in the 2010s. Right, like I've mentioned it, you know, he's the Bubba Gump of the year for me. Like he really is Forrest Gump of wrestling for 2010s. Like anything cool that happened in wrestling in this decade, Thatcher was there somehow. Like repeatedly, he repeatedly delivers insane matches over and over again. He as he reinvents not even reinvents but as he like popularizes a style from decades ago he also like is able to be involved in the modern era and what's on the he band make, he card make at it, all times he make he makes people pop for a dub for a double underhook suplex like <laughs> like i'm sorry yeah. like i think that's great and other people they might not like that they might want something like a little bit more exciting or high impact looking but like that's cool to me now you can be in 2019, like a year in which, in a, in a year in like a generation in which, like we have like so much stuff like at, the, at our fingertips of like crazy spots and just insane shit going on in wrestling and Alex Zane doing 6:30 to the floor. That this guy is sitting here having like this title match with Bobby Guns, and it's one of the hottest matches of the year, and it's really just building to Timothy Thatcher finally being able to hit that butterfly suplex on on Bobby Guns, and. I don't know like I feel like in any like you know I feel like wrestling is like a universal language and it's like I, feel, I don't know how it's hard how like you can't like appreciate the fact that someone was able to get that kind of emotion out of a crowd for something that's such a basic spot in 2019 I, here's the 
craziest thing that we've been doing because we've probably spent like the past I don't know at least five to ten minutes arguing with each other who both agree that Timothy Thatcher is amazing without actually yeah, talking about anything. Fucking, these people are fucking weirdos. Like that's know, the problem to me. I know. It's like and, and it frustrates me. Someone send this podcast to Joe Lanza. Like uh, he feels like the face of Thatcher hate from that time period, right? He was, he was, but again, it wasn't, it wasn't but, just Joe. It was a lot of people that were doing this. Like, well, that's the craziest part about it is because I think if you talk to Joe right now, he's the epitome of what you said, because he's the strong, like he is your strong man in this argument because he was the person who said that Thatcher would bore you to death or bore you to tears or whatever. But then if you talk to him now, he'll be like, oh yeah, Thatcher's good now, but he'll never apologize for saying that he was wrong, which is like exactly what you're saying. You know, like, yeah. You have to admit that you were wrong because Thatcher hasn't changed. People want to try to make that argument that somehow oh Thatcher my has changed God. his style. That, yeah, yeah right? but now we're getting into like real, like, you know, pissing me off territory. Right, because, okay, here's where it comes down to. And I was talking about it earlier. When you, when you talk about old school style and you talk about really making wrestling be what it should be, which is shoot fights that are worked so that they can be more entertaining the Biff Busick versus Timothy Thatcher match in Beyond Wrestling from 2000, like, I don't, I don't even remember, 2009, maybe? I don't, no, I think it was, I think, no, it was, like, it was 2014. <laughs> was it? I thought it was... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It was 2014, which was still, like, 10 years ago at this point. Yeah, um, was, yeah pretty much. Is the epitome of that style. They brought you worked shoot style completely and that was one of the best matches that I've ever seen in my entire life and that match grew into grapple fuck that match became what was evolved for like a big chunk of this decade that match continued to be like really important to the point where when these guys had a fucking match with each other on ambition as a super fight it meant something because of that background right yeah, because that because that ma- that that single match is you can make you can make an argument that is maybe the most significant match on the U on, for the U.S. Indies of the 2010s. You right. can make a legitimate yes. argument. For yeah, that. I don't think it's really hard to argue that that match is in that conversation. I think the only other thing that could come close, if you're just going to talk about like buy rates, money, importance, and that would be like something like Cody Rhodes in Bola or Cody Rhodes winning the ROH title. You know what I mean? Like something. In that conversation, maybe just because you you would talk about forming AEW, which then becomes important for the big picture. But when you talk about styles and importance for actual wrestling quality, I don't know that there's anything that comes close to the importance of Timothy Thatcher versus Biff Busick just for that level of like what that ends up meaning in the big picture. You know, so so that match to now there's not really any conversation in my head for how um like thatcher is a different wrestler and doing anything different from then until now he's not he's just been he's been put in different situations but he has not changed one bit right and then people will tell you that oh thatcher is you know he's a heel now and it's all that's like and all and all that it's like okay well thatcher could have been playing heel back then too right he, he uh, to wasn't. me, I felt like that match was he was a heel. <laughs> you know, I mean, how are you going to argue that Biff Busick isn't a babyface in Beyond Wrestling from the very beginning? Like, 
what right. what else? You know that that just show that just shows so much more emotion now. Like they'll point to like the Walter match from last year and be like, well, he just so, he just shows so much more emotion now. And it's like, no, just because the crowd is cheering very loudly doesn't mean that he's showing any more emotion than he was showing than he was showing before. If you actually watch his face during the matches, right. that's your it, that's just one of the best sellers of the of the decade. The like cough, real, like the ch- the coughing. Yeah, yeah like like we like like we're doing it in like really like you know like surface level examination but like that's just one of the best sellers of the, of the decade and you and that's just based on facial expressions and this isn't even going to like how he like sells and like crumbles on headbutts and everything like that like that year is incredible at that kind of stuff but again because you already decided for whatever reason that like that just out just wasn't your thing you weren't paying attention like you decided that you were just weren't going to pay attention to all the other little details and um nuance that you would give everyone else the time of day for like I love Thatcher, but I'm also the guy that's got, that loves Kenny Omega versus Kazuchika Okada from Dominion and thinks it's the best match ever. So I, I I'm I'm very much on both sides of the spectrum here, and I could definitely say that like people that love that like Kenny Omega Kazuchika Okada like New Japan like house style big epic like and now like how they're like dig for like all the little nuances and that and all the facial expressions and that they're the same people that wouldn't give Timothy Thatcher the time of day when it comes to like his facial expressions. Exactly. Like, it's just, there is something there. I will give people credit because there is something there to the buildup and the emotions and the, the background stories that really helps with the investment in Thatcher. But the quality of his performances really haven't changed. So, let's get into Inner Circle. <laughs> we talked we talk about Harris, that. We talked the... about it somewhat, for sure. What did you think about the match? I loved it, obviously. I'm with you. And, and like, it fit the exact narrative that you're delivering, which is the gritty fight club atmosphere. Obviously, Anthony Henry fits in that situation super well. We all know that. But you talked about James Drake, and I will talk about, like, the, the defining moments for me for James Drake that are, like, open for interpretation for people who have seen it, but then it's also like particular for me because of my situation are James Drake versus Jeff Cobb in PWX, which I always remember as one of the best like indie big man versus indie big man matches. But as you talked about it, two guys who are big and bad and able to hit spots and they fucking killed it being athletic and big and just, and, and being able to be athletic and big. Like there's a lot of guys Keith Lee is one of them. Like, I heard people talking about NXT this week, and I haven't watched it, but it feels like Keith Lee just prostitutes his size and doesn't really... And I hate to even use that word. I I apologize to all the sex workers out there for using that word that way as a negative because prostitution is not bad, but it is bad to basically use your size and just, like, not get what you can out of it um, as you should in the moment. But... The match between Jeff Cobb and, and James Drake was the epitome of being a big man who was able to be big and hit high spots in a way that got the bo- the most out of both situations. And then the other side of it was seeing James Drake and Anthony Henry live in wrestling in Southern California in a tag team match and seeing how good of a heel James Drake was able to be on the mic. And in oh, the match, dude, that was a... Dude, heel James Drake is a revelation. 
like I, like this like this year's just been like oh holy shit like yeah. why have you not been doing this yes. this whole time that was it when i saw him live and he grabbed the mic and he cut the promo and the crowd fucking hated him and then as he was working he worked as a heel it was just like okay this guy has it all he can work athletic big man style that like doesn't really exploit his size in any way just completely like exacerbates the epitome of what makes it important while also being super athletic but then he could also be just old school southern style heel shit eater heel like this guy is fucking amazing so they brought this shit in this fight club setting this match was amazing oh yeah they they, they like the like like most of the lights were turned off in the vent in the in the venue for this match for some reason so it was like it really it really wasn't like full fight club atmosphere for that it was weird like that match but that just that match had a weird lighting issue right but it really it did it kind of did add to it yeah it really did no it really did so then the next night thatcher and fight muller fight muller versus uh I don't know what their fucking name is. I've been watching these guys wrestle in NXT for years at this point, and I don't even know what their tag name is. I don't think they uh, have one. Yeah, they don't have one. They just like do the like the whole like the like do like the whole one two thing. Right. And I'm not sure if this like they have an actual name, but yeah, like just Lorkin and Birch. Lorkin and Birch, and these guys have been the epitome of hard hitting, roughneck style in NXT, and they 100% brought it here. Fight Mueller came in looking interesting with the shaved head and sideburns kind of vibe man like i want to like right and i and i know that he's like still like really new but again and I, and I watched this i'm not sure if you would caught it but i watched the hamburg show where it was um it was bobby guns and Vite in the main event for the wxw title in like by default like Vite is sort of like a wxw main eventer at this point but yeah, man, he he's he still looks really lost a, a lot a lot of the time in singles matches. Yeah, he's still very young. He looked like a young boy even here with with Thatcher. So he doesn't fit in a main eventer situation at all. Yeah, he should he shouldn't be, but like, but the realities of what WXW is right now, like he's gonna be thrusted in like into roles like that. And yeah, like Vite just isn't ready. But in tag matches, I think he can be good. And this is a perfect example of like, with you know, like his superiors, like a Walter Thatcher. Like, I feel like Vite like fits in just fine as like sort of like the junior, like go win and he'll be and he'll like get some of the shine if they're on if they're in control. But it'll usually be his uh his his mentor right there really controlling the match. Or if they're if or if they're the working babyface, then he'll be the one in there taking the offense or whatever. Like he's good, he's good in that capacity. But it was just really glaring to me how much better he was in this tag setting where he could hide, versus him being sort of exposed, being in a in a long main event with Bobby Guns like that. Right. I don't know if you had any anything else to say about the the first round, first night of tag league. God, what? What else did I watch? What else did I watch from this show? Violence um, is Forever versus. Uh, um, oh yeah, Violence Forever versus Arizona Hungry. That was that actually banged. I like yeah. I like that. 
Um, David Starr and Norman Harris versus the crown of Alexander James Alexander James and Yaron Simmons. Good match, but uh, confirmed super uh, Alexander James. Confirmed best in the world, Alexander James. But the big takeaway there was uh, Norman Harris wound up getting a pin or getting the pin on a uh, Yaron Simmons there, and commentary was teasing, "Oh, is Yaron Simmons going to turn on going to turn on Alexander James like he's turned on all his other partners?" And James turned on Simmons, so we're gonna get that to look forward to, I guess, but Hell like, yeah. I'm not, I'm not, yeah. And then nothing Gresham versus Lomita. Like that was like, that was good. It was really smooth, technical, like chain wrestling, some high flying, all that stuff. It was super smooth. And another one of those things I got, like you kind of forget how good Jack Gresham is sometimes. And I still have like the, uh, the Jay lethal match from death before death before dishonor and the Alex Shelley match from glory by honor to watch. But Gresham is a guy I'm definitely making a push for to see like how high I can get him this year. Which he makes sense in the conversation for like top fifteen, top ten. Yeah, top, like top ten, top fifteen. Um, yeah, but that's all. That's all I got for that first night. It was it's probably top... the best. Oh, it's the best. It's the, it was the best night of the um of the shows, not like of the tournament of the tag shows. shows. Not yeah. yeah, yeah, which is. Definitely makes sense. The thing about Grisham is he has so many ROH matches that are fine, but no one's watching them, so it does make his conversation tough. Um, I really, I really want that Bola stuff out already, so I can like oh make oh, sure shit you yeah. haven't seen Bola, yeah There's yeah I haven't seen really I haven't seen good, any of the Bola there's stuff. There's really good Bola stuff too, which I saw live. Unfortunately, um, I shouldn't say unfortunately, but I did really enjoy a lot of Grisham stuff live. Um, and I forget that no one else has seen any of that yet. Night two of the tag festival. Fine. Um, to me, the only things worth talking about: Birch and Lorkin versus the Work Horsemen. Really good. I don't know if you enjoyed yeah, that. Yeah, that yeah, yeah, that was good. Like I didn't like it. I don't. I didn't feel as strongly about it as um, the other tags that the teams might have might have had, like included with um, with Asher over the I weekend, but it was still, yeah. It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't as good as you thought it would be on paper, but again, it's still a super like solid match. Yeah, the four way with Flamita, Fletcher, Taylor, and rotation was good, and I'm I'm a major hater of rotation. I've never liked. Oh rotation. what? Yeah, you never you never liked them? Yeah, I've never liked rotation. It was nice to see him back. But I never. No, but now, but now, but yeah, but now, but now we just back on a regular basis, and you're like, all right, all right. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's, it, it's cool to see him show up, but I'm not a fan, so it doesn't matter. But it was a really good match, and it had a lot of really cool stuff in the ma- in the match. Fletcher, I loved Fletcher bullying Flamita. That was some fun stuff for me. Just Fletcher's a heavyweight, and we just have to stop pretending like he's a junior weight, you know. Hmm. And then the main event match of the weekend, maybe I don't know. What do you think? For me, for yeah, for me, yeah, yeah. The other thing I want to give in this, uh, yeah, I think I give this four and a half. And that's my, that's my high trade match of the weekend, right? And I think that people, I think people have compared Bobby Guns to the Miz of WXW, which I get. And then if you compare Thatcher to being the the Brian Danielson of WXW, like it makes sense. Right, and they have yeah. a history with each other that also makes sense. In the same, I was surprised. I was surprised that they played up that that they played up the history. Yeah, which which really worked out. I mean, and it was really smart. So it just it goes to show, like Bobby Guns, 
really is a smart worker. So I don't. I definitely can get into a lot of people who are ne are not high on him right now. I understand why you're not high on him, but it really some of it isn't some of it isn't Bobby's fault, right? Like, uh, some of it isn't Bobby's fault. A lot of it is just like the gen like the general like sort of like stink on WXW right now. But I do think he's he has been disappointing too. Definitely, but I, like, I, I think I think I think he has to take some of it. I see the comparison, but I feel like the people who are negative him on him are the same people who were negative on the Miz in like 2014. The people, right. they, like there was a lot of people who were really high on Miz in that time frame who were like talking about Miz's wrestler of the year kind of conversations. And it's like, if you were in that same conversation, I think you should still appreciate Bobby guns in the same way. And if, right. you know, so like, I'm not saying that he's amazing because at the same time in that time period, I was one of the people that was like, let's cool it a little bit. When we talk about Miz's wrestler of the year, you know, but, but I can't see how you can be one and not the other, you know, like, right. It's the same conversation. He's very good at what he does, which is really personality driven, but he can also wrestle, which like a little bit better than Miz, honestly. And this match like showed that with the going with the flow of everything, the busted up nose stuff really brought out like a lot of of character in the match and it's amazing that it ended up being the finish that it did because it made so much sense with the way things went where you almost believe that like it was planned to go this way just the way that Thatcher sold the way that the fight went it made a lot of sense the way everything went and this was like in a lot of ways this is the perfect way for Thatcher to finally win the title you know, I don't. Yeah, and that's part of what makes this like in that conversation for match of the year thing. What did you say, four and a the, quarter the, for the, you? Four and a half. Yeah, four and a half for me. Yeah. So it, How, it uh, what, what did you go for, it? for? For me, I'm, I would probably go like four and a quarter. Okay. And it ends up in my conversation. It probably won't make my top ten matches of the year, but it can make my conversation for you know. Like you fucking assholes do with what do you guys do? Top one hundred matches of the year? Yeah, top one hundred. Yeah, top one hundred. Yeah, this can end up in that conversation definitely. This can end up in the top twenty five probably. Yeah, like, and this and then this is gonna go back to like the larger point of like us being so puzzled as to why like Thatcher even had to deal with sort of like the negative like sort of like the negative negativity that was around him for for about a year or so. Is that look at how good of a baby face he was in this? And I can't name you how many better guys have been like better baby face have been like a better baby face in, the, in, the, in like the, than like their big title matches in Thatcher. And here he is, all bloodied up and full of anger and passion, and you know, making these faces. And the crowd is loving it, and the crowd is hot throughout the entire match. And something that I noticed and I really appreciated is that. WXW has gotten really annoying with the dueling crowd chants in like every somewhat big match. Um, they were doing dueling crowd chants for fucking Bobby Guns versus Veit Mueller. Like, like again, for no reason. Good. Again, they're in Hamburg. But that just doesn't. But Bobby Guns is like clearly healed at that point. Like, why won't you like, why don't you just cheer for Veit and all that? So Guns. Bobby Guns. I blame James C for making that chant. Yeah, so, like, in a company where, like, that has, like, been, like, an active, like, problem with the big matches is that the crowd sort of, like, takes, them, takes it over. 
here you go in this one and the crowd takes it over but they're so in favor of Thatcher that to the point where it doesn't bother you and they're hanging on Thatcher's every movement they're hanging on they're like they're hanging on that on Thatcher's every move and I think that's really lets you know the connection that Thatcher has created there and I was pointing to um this is another reason like why Thatcher is so otherworldly good like how many guys have a title match this good as a valiant babyface and then you also have the title matches where he's just a complete like dickhead arrogant pompous believing in his own hype heel like Thatcher does and Thatcher has that versus the versus Zach for the evolved title which is one of the most legendary title switches in, in, the, in like US indie history and then he has this one as a complete valiant babyface versus Bobby Guns, and I think this goes down as one of the as, as one of the best title switches in European wrestling history. And there's not a lot of guys that you can sit there and like have these like specific moments for. And Heel Thatcher is great. Heel Thatcher is wonderful, and I loved watching Heel Thatcher in 2017. Maybe like probably my favorite wrestler to watch that year. He wasn't my number one. Okada, Zack Sabre Jr., Walter, I think all that had better years than him. But no one was my favorite wrestler to watch more than Heel Thatcher in 2017. Babyface Thatcher might be better. And that says a lot because of how good 2017 Thatcher was. Right. And in that conversation, it's just like his versatility. This is when we start talking about the big picture stuff. With the 2010s conversation. Like, how, how many wrestlers have been this influential? Like, at the beginning of 2010, shoot style was dead. Nokiaism was garbage. Everyone knew it was poison. And it just felt like Thatcher was on the vanguard of bringing it back in, in a way that, like, became marketable again. So then as we talk about that, or as I bring that up, then I transition to... The main event of the weekend, as far as I'm concerned, in Ambition, which is a shoot-style tournament in WXW, they do Ambition Wildcard, and they deliver a tournament overall. This will be, we don't have to get into everything, but I, I, I do have to talk about, like, what we really get here on this tournament, especially when it comes to comparing kind of the history of ambition, the history of what this tournament can and does mean historically and then comparatively when it comes to major performances and everyone knows how much of a fan of Danny Makabe I am, right? Like there's there's not like a big conversation about that everyone knows. I like him a lot. You could say that I'm co-opted in whatever way you want. None of that really matters. He's he's having a better year this year than he was in 2017, which is like, you know, kind of insane. Right. Of course. But to me, as I watch... 2018, by the way, but yeah. Yeah, but as I watch this show, the one thing that I really wanted to compare it to when it came to what Makabe did, and... You know, maybe part of this is being slightly spoiled as I watched it, and maybe I wasn't spoiled at the time when I watched what I compared it to. But 
I'll just lay it out there now before we even get into it. We don't have to get into the, the minutiae of everything. But when I compare this Ambition Wildcard Edition 2019 directly to the one thing that really was probably like the closest comparison that I would think of would be Ambition 8. Ambition 2017. The year where Timothy Thatcher made it to the finals and in the finals lost to Matt Riddle, which made sense. A lot of people, me and you directly, myself 100%, that was my show of the year in 2017. Yeah. That Same. was something that people have talked about as Timothy Thatcher's masterwork when it comes to what he could do as a performer from top to bottom. The level of personal engagement that he gave you, not only in the building, but also on videotape, uh, was un unbridled, uncomparable. This show, I think when it came to just direct performance quality, I don't see an argument to say that Daniel Maccabe did not deliver at the same level as Timothy Thatcher in Ambition 8. I think that every one, if you compare them match to match, from the first match, when Dan comes out and he's hot and heavy and ready to fight, and the level of intensity that he brings to the match with James Ryan in the first round, the opening match of the tournament was uncomparable. The level of quality that he brought to that match with the fire and the intensity that he came out with was amazing. So to compare that to, you know, Thatcher coming out against Marius Alani, which was whatever. I don't I don't need to get into details, but the way that Makibi comes out here fucking hot, delivers in the second round against Garini in a real just barn burner of a classic level of two guys who were meant to mix it up earlier in the year in a tag team situation that that fell through that you tweeted about earlier and I tweeted out my reaction to that which is a match that I still yeah think yeah about. man like yeah man sup you got you guys gotta like I, like I know like logistically that's hard but like right. you, you, <laughs> but that match you gotta, you gotta, that match was the most me match that was the match that felt like it was 100% booked with me in mind and I can't say that that's true because I don't know but I do know that I talked to the people who booked it and I do feel like there's some there has to be some connection there but that match that was supposed to happen with Dan and and Dom interacting earlier in the year felt like something that was like a dream match for myself and it was going to happen in real life and then when they finally mix it up here in Ambition which is like Two guys who are going to end up in my top ten wrestlers of the year. There's no question about that. And they're mixing it up in a match situation that is the epitome of what I love about wrestling. And they fucking delivered 100%. Then you get into the final. And I didn't see it. And I heard all the negativity about the stuff that happened in the final with A-Kid and Makabe, especially, you know, particularly one spot that people were upset about. 
And then when I saw it executed, I was like, that was fucking perfect. Part of it was the camera angle, you know, with the finish really helped to make it work. But like, like I said, the only argument that I could even begin to accept and understand to say why the Timothy Thatcher 2017 Ambition 8 masterwork, which really is the masterwork of his career. The only reason why I could see people argue why that was better as a singular performance for Timothy Thatcher was would only be that that tournament, Timothy Thatcher had a connection basically to everyone that he wrestled throughout the tournament and had a backstory and had more of like a overall arcing narrative through his performances, through his facial features, through the feeling we talked about it at the time, the feeling that, that he was just like a pig in shit and he was really enjoying himself in the moment of everything. And you were really getting to see this emotion come through that you never got to see before through him. That was the only thing that made that better because from the first match against Mauricio Ani, which is even like very light, but there was a connection there because they had, you know, interacted with each other in the past to the, obviously the semifinal match where he goes up against Jeff Cobb, someone who he has like a major history with like, and then the finals going against Matt Riddle, who at that point had already been like a, a, a huge, like kind of rival of his. And again, talking about the way that he developed with his facial features and, and just how happy he was to make it there. That was like the only thing that I could see could be the argument for, for why you would say that like his performances throughout the tournament were better was only be that, that you had that emotional investment in the story that you were being told. But if you just, if you strip that away, somehow, if you could magically strip all of that outside stuff away and you just looked purely at performances, I don't see how you don't say that, that, that Daniel Maccabee was on that level in this tournament because his performances from the first match to the semifinals to the finals were on the same level as Thatcher in Ambition 8. Like, it, Every match, he repeatedly brought so fucking much. The, like, the level of intensity that he brought from the first match to the second match to the finals. Like, I don't see anyone who brings that level of, like, pure storytelling intensity and just, like, yeah, but just, like, I'm at a loss for words at this point. Quentin, you have to... Continue. You have to talk at this point because I'm just completely. <laughs> I can't keep going. I'm just. I'm awestruck at the the genius of the wrestling genius. I mean, yeah, but I said it's gonna be easy for people to just, you know, like Dan, like Daniel is a, uh, that's everybody and everyone talks to him and all the, and all this stuff and that's why everyone praises him. It's like, no, no, like he really is that good. And when I say that somehow is 2019 is every is even better than 2018, like. I mean that like as someone that likes Dan and really wanted to see him succeed. I wasn't sure what 2019 would bring for him. And like, he's knocked out of the park every single time being out of the being out of the, being out of his, uh, being out of his home country and home promotion and being in Germany, being in England, being in the Midwest, being down South. This guy has really hit, Every single time, no matter where he is, and 
it's a guy where like every individual performance I'm completely blown away that like he has never done anything in his match in a, in a match of his where I didn't like it and I know it sounds crazy to say but he's in that rare air of like guys like that of guys like Thatcher where like something in a match of theirs I've never had a problem with and I could and I can do that for like people that I love people that I like I consider like some of the best wrestlers of all time best wrestlers of the decade like there's a lot of things that, that Zack Sabre Jr. has done that I don't love a lot of things that Jonathan Gresham has done that I haven't loved same thing for Okada Tanahashi Daniel Bryan Chris Hero all that stuff I can say like you know what was it real didn't, didn't really like that I can't say that for Makabe or Timothy Thatcher and I wasn't thinking of comparing it when you mentioned the Thatcher 2017 run to Daniel's run right here in Ambition but yeah it checks out and you make a perfect point of like you know if you can like separate the emotion behind just seeing Thatcher so happy and get to have all these like sentimental matches and really feel like for once he's at home and he's appreciated and everything because like that's a big part of it too is like when you watch that Thatcher stuff you're like you're happy that someone that you're happy that somewhere in the world Thatcher's appreciated I think like that's a big part of it too when you watch that you're like you know what like the U.S. Indies, they really weren't treating Thatcher the way they should have. And here he is. He goes to WXW in this ambition setting. And he's getting every bit of admiration and respect that someone like Thatcher deserves. And that emotion is a big part of it. And for me, I'll probably never be able to separate that. Like, that is just a really gratifying moment to see that this person that, like, albeit I don't know, like, I was happy to see Thatcher succeed and people give him the reception that he's worked so hard and earned. And it's, I sort of have the same emotion for Dan, too. Like, and obviously it's a, it's a little bit more personal for Dan, but, like, seeing Dan come out in Germany, and I don't know if you noticed it, but when Dan came out for the second round, and he was already in the ring, and it flashed that his opponent, opponent was Dominic Garini, the crowd lit up. They're like, oh shit! Like, like that was like a big match for everybody in that crowd, and I was like, wow! Like they, everyone, everyone in that crowd is on the same page as me, you, and everyone else that isn't in Germany, um, watching the show on VOD. We we're all on the same page. Like, oh wow, it'd be really good. It'd be really cool if we got Daniel Makabe versus Dominic Garini on this show, and then lo and behold, we get that, and it gets that exact same reception, and those guys deliver to the level that you would expect them to, but. Yeah, from round after round and matches that you're not sure exactly how they would go, like, Dan continued to deliver. And I probably still like the Thatcher run more. But again, if you decided that you were going to say, like, uh, well, do you think the Dan performances were on the same level? Which I think you were saying, too, that you think on an individual performance basis that what Dan was doing is on the same level of Thatcher's work that year. I, I can't argue with Dan. Dan really was that great over the weekend. Yeah, and I wouldn't argue with anyone about that Thatcher's the Ambition 8 2017 run was better because it was. <laughs> like, it really was. But when you talk about, like, the just the performances, if you can separate, like, you know, the actual matches and the, like you talked about, the bigger picture stuff and the 
the kind of vibe and the emotion and the connection. Like I said, there's nothing that could happen, even with Dom versus Makabe having like some history for me personally, and I like it and I think it's cool that that happened. I'm not going to have the same connection to Thatcher versus or not to Makabe versus Dom that I have to Thatcher versus Cobb. Just historically, they're both California boys. You know, like that's also part of it. Like that's these these are my guys. Yeah. And knowing the background and and like the history between them, like they even gave the the announcement before the match, like giving it as a tribute to Oliver, even though he's still alive. But you know, like there is those connections and history and everything between them. That's not going to be the same between between Makabe and and Garini. But again, if you talk about pure performance, I don't think that you can say that Thatcher performed better than Makabe did here. I can definitely see that when when it comes down to it, with the quality of wrestling, there's more to it than just performance in ring. In, in what makes things mean something, uh, you know, than just just performance. There's bigger picture stuff to the way wrestling works, and that is epitomized by the super fight on this ambition tournament between Thatcher and Oni. Because we already talked about it, a match that is in the conversation for match of the decade, in the conversation for one of the most influential matches. In, important in America, one of the most important matches in the history of American soil. It's it's like a it's really is essential viewing. Yeah, it's not just like hyping it up because like we really like the style or like the guys. Like, no, like this was a really big thing. Like, if you, it's a big thing to the point where and get it like beyond like does like really good numbers on YouTube anyway. But that match with those guys in that setting is has like three hundred thousand views or something. Like, like that, that really does speak to how big that match was, or how big that match became. We talked about one thing that we've repeatedly talked about is the legendary status of of CM Punk in the history of wrestling, and I think that Thatcher versus Lorcan from Beyond, Timothy Thatcher versus Biff Busick. I'll blur the lines for the. Uh, uninitiated from beyond wrestling from the secret shows from before they even had fans at the shows it's only on youtube it's in that same conversation if you don't appreciate that that match is a legendary match in the history of wrestling then i don't appreciate or respect your opinion on wrestling if you haven't seen it i understand you're uninitiated and i don't blame you you haven't seen it i'm not a gatekeeper I'm not one of these people who, who, if you haven't seen something, you don't know about something, that I think you're a bad person. I don't care. We've all been ignorant, and that is a word that I think people use negatively, and I don't mean to when I say it, so I feel bad for saying it if it makes someone feel bad. If that's a match that you have not seen, if you're not you know, educated to the history, you need to go out and check it out. It's on YouTube for free, and it is historically one of the most important matches of this decade I think is very easy to say and I think on top of that I think it's a match that's in that conversation of matches that you should talk about people talk about you know Slaughter versus Hogan in a cage 
people talk about, you know, um, the the Pat Patterson versus uh, oh God damn it I'm losing more POW credit for not remembering the alley fight, um, whatever. Pat Patterson versus uh, he's an Olympic strongman. He did a swinging full Nelson, you know, whatever. What was, what was what was what was what was all the big slaughter one? It was um, what slaughter and canoodle versus um versus uh young young blood and steamboat and steamboat in the in the cage yeah like these are the matches that people talk about people talk about uh, the night the line was crossed Sabu, Funk and uh, Shane Douglas in a in a three way dance. You know these are the matches that people talk about historically as important matches that again historically are important the last battle of atlanta there's big matches that people talk about and i think that thatcher versus busick in beyond wrestling is in that same conversation as one of the most important matches historically in the history of wrestling and that seems insane and we talked about it we're both fans of this style of wrestling sure Sure we are. Yeah, but we, yeah, but yeah, but we also like the other stuff too. Yeah, you know, like the like a, not like a big narrative that gets painted about the people that like the Thatcher, Biff Busick, um, Drew Gulak, Tracy Williams, Jonathan Gresham, Zack Saber Jr. Like it's like stuff like like stuff like that. A big thing that gets painted is that go oh, that's the style, and you guys just like the grappling and the grapple fuck and all that. And that's like right that might apply for people. I I know people. I know a lot of people that are like that. But that's not me and you. We're still we're still the same people that routinely come on here and praise like the most hype G one matches. Right. Private Party so that, versus the, the Lucha Bros. Earlier, I was talking yeah, like, about it as one of the match one of my matches of the year. Yeah, that's the thing. So it's like, well, you, what we're saying is like, yeah, like we're fans of Timothy that year, but we're also fans of like also everything else in wrestling too. Right. And and yeah, that match is in the conversation. So then when they. Bring it back here for WXW in a really special situation as an ambition super fight. And the fact that Biff Busick is signed to WWE and doesn't get to do a lot of indie stuff. And sure, he's been on the on the tournament in the tag team with Birch, but it's, you know, it's just the tag team. But to get this, to get this shown, and it, it does feel interesting because it does feel like the history of Thatcher, like when Thatcher finally won Ambition the next year in Ambition Nine, the super fight was Riddle, the person who had beat him the year before against Walter, his tag team partner, and it felt a little bit like he was getting, you know, outshined, overshadowed by the bigger super fight, and then it you could definitely I could definitely see that here, as we you know get Thatcher versus Lorcan, a match that has history, a match that has two amazing wrestlers and then it's kind of getting put over the top over Dan Makabe being in the main event but it's it's the history of ambition you know it, it makes sense the match itself was fucking beautiful right like I'm like for me it's probably my Thatcher match of the weekend I really like the Bobby Guns match a lot but it, it, yeah it, it, like this match somehow went in like in directions I didn't expect. And it's like, my favorite thing about Ambition is how they take, like, 
regular moves in someone's move set, and right there they use it as like knockout kill shot moves that like could be flash knockouts and could knock someone out at any time. And I was expecting, and these guys do hit each other hit each other hard. Like that was a big part of their Beyond match. It's that they start off with the grappling, start off slow, but they really build up into this hard hitting contest. And I was expecting still a, a submission a, a submission finish here. Right. And here we go. And Oni is sitting there trying to trying to get the knockout on Thatcher, and then Thatcher just grabs him. And does that uh does that Rikio slap and completely just and just K, and just KOs him and I was like oh shit like it's moments like that a, a move that I've seen Thatcher do a bunch of times but the way he hits it the way Oni sells it Thatcher's reaction as Oni stays down and the referee call um, stops the match and calls for the knockout like again it keeps me on my toes it, I didn't expect it and it's things like that where I'm like wow like I really just love the way that Thatcher approaches wrestling in these in these settings where like even winning he's just so happy about it and that was a thing that we that we used to talk about a lot when it came to guys like Zack Sabre Jr. and David Starr that when they lost or when they won like you saw it there was an emotion on their face we saw Zack Sabre we saw Crybaby Zack Sabre Jr. all throughout the, all throughout this year's G1 and everything and that was a thing and all that and we've also seen Zack Sabre Jr. in his biggest moments cheering and throwing punches in the air and all that stuff. And David Starr is the same way. We kind of throw Thatcher in that conversation too. Because when Thatcher loses, when Thatcher wins, you see every bit of emotion in his face. And shame, shame on me for not noticing it sooner. But it's a really, it's, I think that's a really big part in why Thatcher's big moments resonate so much. Because Thatcher feels like he cares so much in, the, in these moments too. Um, I mean, the first the first time that we did a podcast, me and you, that we talked about wrestling, because um, I think we did the interview before we did the uh, first episode of Psychology is Dead together. I think. I might be wrong. Um, we talked about the Thatcher WrestleMania weekend that became so polarizing. But that is that thing about Thatcher is that over the course of a weekend, over the course of shows that are connected over the course of a narrative you can see the emotions as they build and you can see the story as it's told and that continues to happen here you talked about it here in the ambition match he's so happy to get that win and one thing that i'll i i really loved about this is that the the way that he gets the knockout here with the big slap the rickio slap as you call it um is that it played into the the big unit slap which i one thing I love about Makabe in the ambition setting is that he normally does the big unit punch, which, you know, I love the guy, but obviously he's a heel because you shouldn't be throwing closed fist punches in wrestling matches. We all know that. But he always does. And and it's, it's egregious and it's disgusting and he really shouldn't do it. But throughout the tournament, throughout the ambition tournament, he respected, I will give him a lot of credit, for finally being a stand-up gentleman and respecting the rules, especially in this setting. He respects the rules of ambition enough. He's got the love of shoot-style grappling, wrestling enough to respect the rules, and when he would do the big unit punch, he would do a big unit slap throughout the ambition tournament. So, to see Timothy Thatcher get the win here against Oni Lorcan with a big Rikio slap, 
when we do get in the finals against a kid we see dan makabe throw the big unit slap and we get the tease of the the 10 count for the down it it makes it more believable because we just saw someone we saw two guys who are, are past legends of this style especially thatcher a, a, a winner a previous winner of the ambition tournament get the win here with a big slap to the face it's believable that that thatcher or that makabe could get the knockout win against a kid in the finals with the slap so i really appreciated that and the connection between thatcher and and makabe continues to grow deeper these guys have a storied past with each other already not just in three to one battle in the pacific northwest but they've also have a history with each other having matches in ambition style you know tournaments in the past so yeah when you talk about that no man like i like i Go ahead. Like I really like I, and I like my prediction is I think that in the end like the December anniversary show is probably going to wind up being like either Thatcher versus Ilya or Thatcher versus Walter for the for the WXW title. But I'd love if sometime in between then they brought Dan back and Dan got a crack at the Unify title or at some point if Thatcher keeps it. But I really do think they should run Dan versus Thatcher back right. in a in a non ambition setting because. Of course, they're both masters of that style. They're both really good at it. But we both know that they're really good pro-style guys, too. And I would love to see Dan get a chance to go out there in front of the more typical WXW crowd and just go out there and blow the roof off the place with Thatcher. Right. And so then we get into it, but talked about it before I started, you know, on my diatribe just now. But the history, the importance, the the, the building of the way that Thatcher makes everything mean something. And then he goes into night three of the, the tag team festival here and he defends for his first title defense against the octopus, which I love this match because, you know, I, I, I talked about Thatcher with the, the manliness and the connection to the past. And I think there's definitely that connection to, you know, obviously Margaret Thatcher with the Timothy Thatcher name. But to me, as, a, as he is an American, uh, I think the more close connection is Theodore Roosevelt, and I've I've talked about the way that Thatcher presents himself and the way that he looks that he's a bull moose. So what we have here is the bull moose versus the octopus, and from the beginning you really get that. You know, like I I really wish that more and more people would just pick up on this. I'm going to continue to push it now because Thatcher is the bull moose. Um, and the way that he is dismissive of of Grisham early on, the way that he is his power and his size, he knows it gives him certain levels. When when Grisham early on goes for the octopus stretch, and and Thatcher is just like kind of cheesing and just like kind of smiling and laughing at the idea of of Grisham because he can barely keep his leg trapped in his arm and he can't even begin to imagine setting up the the octopus as he just like walks into the the corner and grabs the rope like the way that that devolves into a fight was it's the perfect epitome of of just exactly what we talk about with Thatcher he comes in and he is full of vim and vigor he's had the weekend of his life basically he's had everything historically that we've talked about Thatcher Thatcher loves to come in and have this great tag team match on the inner circle show to show off the fight club you know dirt dirty lights are fucked up brawling whatever 
then he gets to show off his, you know, working in a tag team with an with a smaller kind of unknown partner against another tag team of, of fighters and just really go to town and he loses but whatever then he wins the championship against the pretty boy you know the Miz basically the Miz of Germany after that he goes into ambition and he gets to show off what he really loves to do which is shoot style grappling fight against one of his one of the best rivals that he's had in the history of his career and then he you know comes here and then after all of that and after having the epitome of his weekend he gets to then again show off his craft in a pro style match against one of the best who's ever done it and Jonathan Gresham if you don't believe or understand that Jonathan Gresham is one of the best who's ever done it between the four you know posts in the you know in the ring when it comes to grappling, when it comes to whatever, like the guy can fly, the guy can, the guy can grapple, he can throw, he can. Do one of whatever. the best, all, one of the one, one of the best all around guys ever, and like, yeah. people might not value that, but like, Gresham can be a very effective jobber if he wanted to be on TV, which is our, which is what our always used him as at some points. Mm-hmm. He can be a really good just filler on the card, like let's get a good match on the card guy. He can be a main event top star. He can be a tag team guy. He can be a face. He can be a heel. He can do really serious long-term work. He can do comedy. He can fly. He can do the grappling. He can do all the cool sequences that you guys that you guys gif and everything. Gresham is one of the most all-around talented wrestlers ever. And again, it gets lumped up in that group with like Thatcher and Gulak and all that stuff. Where it's like, where it's like, if you really watch him, like you're watching one of the most talented wrestlers ever. Like, <laughs> like people like me and you appreciate him, but I think over the last couple of years, people are now really appreciating Gresham for how good he is. And like, again, we don't see this stuff lightly. Like he really is one of the most talented wrestlers there's ever, there's ever been. And I think that when you talk about someone being amazing all around, I think that people don't understand what that really means because they think that that means that you're okay to good at everything, but when I talk about Jonathan Gresham, no, that means being, like yeah, yeah, so, yeah, that means you're really good at everything. Like you're exceptionally good at everything. And if you wanted to be just focusing on that one thing, if Jonathan Gresham said, "Fuck this singles wrestling stuff," um, I don't know. Me and Jay Lethal are gonna be the best tag team in the world. He would have done that. Yeah. Or you know what? I'm going to find somebody. We're going to be the best tag team in the world. He would have done that. Well, you know what? Like, I'm really just going to go all in on my heel turn right now. And I'm going to step it up in every aspect of my game. He would have figured that out. Because Jonathan Gresham is that talented and that smart in wrestling that he would make everything work. Yeah. That's that's the thing. is it, When I say he's one of the best all around, I don't mean that he's like a guy who's just really good to great at everything. I, I really mean that he's one of the best ever at every part of wrestling that's that's what makes him the best one of the best all around so yeah so him and thatcher amazing and easily i don't think that there's a big argument just because of the weekend that thatcher had like this is not the best match of thatcher's weekend 
it could still be in your conversation yeah. <laughs> for best match of the year. Like it really easily could because of how good the match really is. The the storytelling, the quality of the execution, what you're really getting out of the match is phenomenal. But there's so much here. To talk about Thatcher, we talk, I brought it up, 2017, Ambition 8. I think that there was a major conversation at the time as that Ambition show being Thatcher's master work. I am on record as saying that that was my show of the year specifically because of what Thatcher did on that show. This weekend, I think, easily outshines that as Thatcher's master work. I think that this is... And it's a great way to close out the decade strong for the guy who I think that, without a doubt right now, is my front runner for wrestler of the 2010s. Thatcher continues to deliver a mastery of the craft. This was Thatcher's masterwork, and he capped it off here with a match that, again, I wouldn't say was his best match of the weekend, but it could easily be someone's match of the year. I could definitely see that, because this is phenomenal. Phenomenal match from top to bottom, and not just in execution like we talked about. Storytelling. The way that Thatcher was delivering a specific narrative from the beginning to the end and not just basic oh I'm selling the arm he keeps working my arm the way that he went from the hubris of being bigger and stronger to at the end he's begging to finally get the pin with a quick roll up cradle pin and making making certain faces when Gresham is trying to do offense on him again he sort of comes in on his high horse, a little smug, feeling good about himself. He just won the WXW title the day before. Has been on the winning streak the whole weekend, really. Well, he lost to uh, Lorcan and Birch. But, you know, he's been doing really well for himself that weekend. And he comes in, and even though he knows Gresham, you know, he's like, all right, come on, man. Like, you can't do this to me. And I've seen, we've seen him do this spot before, you know, using his size. And then Gresham spins around his leg and then bends his leg, bends his leg inward. And we've we've seen them, we've seen that spot before. They did that at Nova Pro, but again here they make you feel like it's new again with all the wrinkles in Thatcher's facial selling. Like, ah, uh, come on, you know you know this isn't gonna work. And then next thing you know, Gresham is popping Thatcher's leg out, and right. that's the stuff that makes Thatcher who he is. And again, like I talked about, to go from the hubris of the beginning of the match, where he's just snickering and smiling about what is this you know what does this guy think he's gonna do to me he can't to by the end being so happy that he's basically able to get what can equate to a lot of people as a sneaky cradle you know kind of pinning combination finish it that's the story like (laughs) how do you miss the narrative there how do you say that thatcher is boring how do you pretend like this guy doesn't show emotion like to go from the most confident wrestler on the planet to celebrating that you got a sneaky pinning combination like that's how you tell a fucking narrative and again this is master work this is a wrestler on the top of his game and after the weekend that he had this is how he caps it off and again this is not his best match of the weekend, but it's better than 
99% of the matches that you're going to see this year. Like, how the fuck is this guy this good? Yeah, but I mean, we said it best. I think we're like nearing our, like our time for this uh, for the for this we podcast. We our time like a half hour ago. I mean, this was supposed to be a quick episode. Yeah, it was, and then like I said, Thatcher, I, I, and that's how you know we really love Thatcher. And it's like Thatcher just gets like like invokes like a certain amount emotion out of us. And for you, he's gonna be like your number one guy. He, might, he probably won't be my number one. He's like he's like a top five, top ten guy, no doubt. But. More than anyone that's gonna be on my list, Thatcher just invokes like a certain response that it like really, really viscerally annoys me that people like talk negatively about him. And I'm the guy that's been like, I'm like, well, I've been on, on limbs like several times when it came to like um to to people like with Zach. Like I was like, I'm not saying that I'm the only guy in the world that has Zach is the best wrestler in the world in 2016, but comparatively in 2016, like. You're getting Chris Hero, Matt Riddle, AJ Styles, and all that stuff. Some like for some people, Trevor Lee. I'm the guy saying, I, you know, like Zach, <laughs> Sa- like, you. like you know, like Zach Saber. Yeah, I'm the guy saying, you know what? <laughs> you know, I think it's Zach Saber Junior. So like, I have no problem like ever being the guy that's like out on a limb with something. But it's still like when people don't see it with Thatcher, like it it still bothers me. Yeah, that's it. I mean, like. We both have already said we've already turned into pumpkins tonight. We were supposed to be quick. This is supposed to be a fast episode. We're trying to keep it. I was trying to keep it under an hour, but obviously. Yeah, and then it somehow turns into nearly nearly two because yeah. of goddamn Timothy Thatcher. But, <laughs> you know. Watch this weekend. Yeah, Watch his matches. Yes. Uh, yeah, um, I don't know. We'll, back, we'll be back next week talking AEW. Probably Kento versus Jake Lee. Um, piece of party gravel picking, so a little like a good amount of stuff on there, but it probably like, it probably won't it probably won't go as long as us going 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 on rants about Timothy Thatcher again. Uh, follow us on Twitter at QNTR. Email us at QNTR at gmail.com Thank you for listening. Bye.